Are you glad you came to church today? I'm glad you did too. Uh, today we are in our series on parables. We've been talking through this over the last couple of weeks. Um, we've talked about uh, some of the statements that Jesus has made, which are short stories or sayings that have profound spiritual truth. The first one we talked about was salt and light. Then we talked about patches and wineskin. And last week, um, that was interesting, talking about judgment and judging others. Specks and logs was the title last week. This week, the title is The Parable of the Soil. Go with me in Matthew chapter 13. I want to tell you what really the purpose behind why Jesus used parables um, using his own words. Uh, there's a purpose behind them, and he actually tells us what that purpose is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 to 17. Verse 10, it says this, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 13, Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Jesus then says in verse 15, this people's heart has grown dull. And their eyes have closed, and their ears can barely hear, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes, as he talks to the disciples. He says, blessed are your eyes, for they do see, and your ears, for they do hear. Verse 17, for truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. It says, long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. There's an interesting statement there of Jesus as he talks through the quotation from Isaiah and he begins to unpack it and say, their hearts have grown dull, their eyes don't see, and their ears are deaf. Every one of those things, we can look at life in the physical realm and we can see there are those who have been born with an issue regarding one of these things like deafness or blindness. But what Jesus is getting at is all three of these things are actually a choice. Your heart growing dull is a choice. Your eyes going blind spiritually is a choice. And your ears being closed off is a choice as well. And every believer faces an ever-present temptation to become lazy and lethargic. Every one of us as believers has that temptation and it's with you every single day. This doesn't happen overnight, us getting to the place of being lazy or lethargic. 
it happens slowly over time. So it's a slow process that takes a while before the results come to life. The question then is, how do you make sure that your heart does not grow dull, and that your eyes continue to see, and that your ears hear? I believe really and truly that the way that we can make sure that those three things do not happen is that we make a daily decision to walk with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to influence every area, every aspect of our lives. I think it's evident if you look at the historical um, passages of the Jewish people and their struggle, the Israelites, as they walked with God, their temptation to walk away from him and serve idols, their temptation to disobey him, their temptation to go and do other things rather than keep him as priority number one. And let me tell you what, there are consequences to that that you never even intended when you lose that closeness in your walk with God. So staying close to him helps you keep your heart open, keep your eyes open, and your ears open. So I think one of the things that we can do to stay close to him is show up. You're here today, and I'm so glad you are. I think God is glad that you are too. But the next thing that's important as well is for you to show up every day. You say, to church, pastor, you're going to be here every day? Well, most days I am, but no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you show up to your relationship with God, spending time with him on a daily basis, having dedication in your walk with him. In fact, I would say it like this. Your spiritual strength directly correlates to the time that you spend with God. You say, pastor, I'm feeling weak. When's the last time you spent time in prayer? Pastor, I'm feeling like I'm defeated. When's the last time you read a passage about how God is a victor and he never loses a battle? He never takes an L. So it's a good, it's a good reminder for us to make sure that we are on the right path and not the path of those that Jesus was speaking about then, but the path that keeps an open heart and open ears and open eyes. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. This is where we find our parable actually today as well. I'm reading from the English Standard Version in verse 1. It says this, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. How many of you wish you could go out of your house and sit beside the sea? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. What a, what a life. Um, verse two, it says this, and great crowds gathered about him so much so that he had to get in a boat and go offshore to be able to turn around and talk to the crowds that were there. It says he got in a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Verse 3, and he told them many things in parables saying. So Jesus has this parable that he shares with the people on the beach. Then the disciples are asking him, which is the passage we previously read, why, why do you use these statements? Why are you talking in such a way? And Jesus explains it to them. But now we hear the parable that he shares. Many of your Bibles will say this is a passage that they might title the parable of the sower. But I really feel more along the lines of it's a parable about soil. It's not necessarily about the sower. In fact, it doesn't say that the sower did anything bad, wrong, good, indifferent. It literally just says there was a sower in the story. 
But what it really breaks down is the soils. So verse 3, it says this, A sower went out to sow, verse 4, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus says this in verse 9, He who has ears, let him or them hear. In verse 10 to 17 that we read already, it talks about what the purpose of the parables is. But then he does something interesting that he rarely does. He does not explain every parable that he shares with the people. But in Matthew 13, he actually shares the meaning of all the elements inside of the parable. So jump down with me to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Notice this is pretty interesting. I just want you to understand the intelligence of Jesus and God. His disciples have just asked, why do you talk to them in parables? And Jesus says, because they don't understand the mysteries of the kingdom. You have your eyes open to see. And then he says, and here's the meaning of the parable. <laughs> He's telling the disciples the meaning of the parable. Look at what it says in verse 19. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That's what I hope you do today, is receive the word of the Lord with joy. But verse 21 says, he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, but when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately... He falls away. Verse 22, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is he or the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now for the good news and the good soil in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. So I want to break this down and help you even further understand the parable of the soils. The sower is the one who speaks God's word. And you say, well, pastor, this must have just been for the disciples and for you, right? No, you as well are a sower. Jesus was a sower, but you as a believer are a sower as well. And you say, well, that's a weird word to use. Let me just use this. You're a farmer, okay? Jesus was the farmer in this scenario, but he's talking to the disciples and he says the sower is the one who speaks God's word. It's not so much about the sower as it is about the soils 
that are talked about. Remember, Jesus is speaking in a society and in a time that was agriculturally based. So they understood and possibly, possibly there were people working in the hillside outside of where he was speaking to all of this crowd on the beach that were tending to their farm. They would have a big satchel and it would have grain inside of it. It would have seed inside of it. And they would go and they would scatter it out. Some would fall as they walked along the path. Some would fall where there were thorns. Some would fall in the good soil. But they would just scatter the seed. That was their job during the planting time. They didn't have Captain Crunch and Fruit Loops back then. They ate the fruit and vegetables that they grew and the meat that they raised. So it's important that you know that Jesus was speaking to them on their level. I believe even today, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak in thee and thou. I believe he speaks in plain language that you can understand. And I believe that he can speak to you today through this word. The sower is the one who speaks God's word and the seed is the word of God. Now, I want to correct something of maybe possibly that you've heard before because you may have heard a TV preacher talking about sow into my ministry and the Lord will bless you 100-fold, 60-fold. Raise your hand. You ever heard anybody say something like that? Yes. That is not what Jesus is talking about in this in this passage, he's talking about the word of God, not about your tithes or your giving to the church or to a ministry. He's talking about the word of God. And I find it awesome that the Lord uses this comparison of his word to a law of nature that is unchangeable. Every, every single system of man can be Corrupted, can be manipulated, can be changed. Think about the justice system, not just in America, but around the world. Have, have anybody who's, has anybody who's innocent ever gone to jail and served time because of something broken with our justice system? Has anybody who definitely was guilty got off? Yes, the system can be manipulated. Just talk to the 87,000 new representatives from the IRS and they will tell you the tax system can be manipulated. How many of you have ever heard of some of the educational stats of our public school system? That can be manipulated as well. You could get passed through a grade just because they're tired of dealing with you and think that you need to get to the next grade rather than you actually absorbing the material. Jesus didn't use any of man's systems in this comparison to his word because his word is unchangeable. Amen? So he used it in comparison to a law of nature that you can't change, which is the law of sowing and reaping. What if a farmer waited until his next door neighbor was harvesting their crops and then he in a hurry ran out and started throwing seed in the field? Do you think that the next morning miraculously he'd have a fully healthy harvest? 
No, absolutely not. There's no way around it. There's got to be time for the seed to germinate, for the bees to pollinate, for the fruit to grow, for it to be harvested. There's, there's a process in this time. So regardless of how sincere that guy is, who might be the next door neighbor who didn't do it at the right time, whatever his justification is, he's not going to reap a harvest overnight. This is important in our microwave society that we understand patience is a virtue even when it comes to the sowing of God's word inside of our hearts and in our lives. That it is not something that we can necessarily see the immediate results of today, right now. But it's the fact that today, at the age of 41, I can call to mind a verse of scripture that I memorized as my weekly Bible verse, one of them, in my Christian school in fourth grade. And I'm facing a hardship and that verse comes back to my memory because I put it there as a seed. Do you understand? So I didn't maybe need it at that point, but the Holy Spirit helps that seed grow in the right moment of my life. This is why true believers who have a relationship with God will always have a love and a discipline for his word. So the types of soil mentioned represent the state of a human's heart. The soil is the state of your heart. Now, all of us are excited about verse 23 when it says, and the good soil had a hundredfold fruit and a 60 and some 30. We'll get to that in a minute, but we need to talk about all the states that Jesus mentions or all the issues that he talks about. So go back to verse 19. Jesus says this, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Madeline, oh, never mind. I was going to ask you for this water. On every farm and in every garden, there's a path. Have you ever walked a path in a garden or a farm? In between the rows of crops, there's a place for you to walk so that you can help with the harvest. Now, I understand we live in an industrial age. We have a lot of mechanical processes and giant machines that do all sorts of things. But Jesus isn't talking to those types of people. He's talking to others who were doing it all by hand at this point. So Jesus says, this is what was sown along the path. So the path would have been walked hundreds of times in a year, maybe by dozens of people. It's been hardened. It's been trampled down. There's no air in it. There's not a whole lot of moisture. It's almost as hard as concrete. And so the birds sit around in the trees and they wait to see that sower going out, that farmer scattering the seed, and they swoop in and take those seeds. I'll just say in G-rated terms, they plant them somewhere else, okay, after they eat them, okay. But it says here that the evil one snatches away what has been sown in the heart. It's hardened soil. If the sower dropped some of the seed on that path, it would be quickly picked up by the birds and it would be no benefit to 
the farmer. Even if it did sink into the ground and was able to produce a seedling, he would probably, in error, step on it and crush it and trample it. It would not have life if it was on the hardened path. Jesus said the person who does not understand God's word is like the soil of that path, hardened, and the seeds get stolen before they have time to sink in. The enemy has a full-time job. I don't know if you realize that or not. And we think that his full-time job might just be to bother believers who've already committed their life to the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, he is busy not just attempting to make unbelievers out of believers, but he's busy trying to keep unbelievers unbelieving. So that when they hear the word and it starts to just barely get in, the enemy comes in, swoops in, and snatches it away before it can take root. So he's not only waging war against believers, but he's trying to prevent anyone else from becoming a believer. This is why reading more than one verse a day in a Max Lucado Bible devotional is important. And I love Max Lucado. Sorry if you're on the front row. It's the spitting section. I love Max Lucado. I think some of his books are incredible. I've listened to his messages. I love hearing some of that wisdom and amazing take on life and spirituality and faith. But let me just tell you, reading one verse a day is not going to keep the devil away. That should be a louder amen with all these veteran believers in here. Amen. Amen. So, so says the child. Amen. So the enemy loves a hardened heart toward God. This begs the question, how does someone get a hard heart? Or how do you prevent yourself from getting a hard heart? Notice there in all of these soils, there's hope for a difference to be made. There really is. If you've ever been to a farm that had some hard soil or you've ever dug something in your yard, you can get through that with some machines and some elbow grease and some shoulder work and some shovels. And I mean, you can dig down deep into it. If you've ever had some rocky soil, you can go through and you can rake out the rocks. We had a sweet couple. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this couple. A few weeks ago, came and did some maintenance out here in the yard where there were some rocks that kept getting hit by the mower and chipping and whatever because we filled in a little hole and there were some rocks there and mulch and other things. It was painstaking work, but they got the job done. They picked out all of the rocks and they had to do it by hand. So you can change a rocky soil into something that's more fertile. In fact, you can even go to the place of taking a good soil and ruining it. So all of these soils have the ability to change. The enemy loves a hardened heart, so how do you prevent your heart becoming hard? I believe that several things contribute to the hardening of a person's heart, but I'll just give you one today, and that is continual, unrepentant sin. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to 
forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. But if we don't confess our sins, there's a cumulative effect. There's a desensitizing effect on our conscience and in our soul that makes it difficult for us to ever distinguish even from right, right from wrong. Because you've continued down this path so long, it makes it almost impossible, but not totally. That's how a believer specifically, or even an unbeliever, can maintain a hardened heart. There are other things like pride and things like that, but this is important that we understand. Scripture makes it clear that if we relentlessly engage in sin, there will come a time when God allows us to have our way. He's done it before. He did it with his people. He's done it with individuals. And it's not beyond him to still do it even today. That's why it's important to maintain the state of your heart. That's a good word. Verse 20 in Matthew 13 talks about the rocky ground. Verse 20, it says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, in Jesus' explanation, he says, This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself. He endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, I did, I do study for each one of the messages that I present to you, and sometimes I can go off onto these little rabbit trails in my study, at least, to try to really understand the concept. When I looked at the original language that, that Matthew uses there for falls away, it actually means then a snare is laid. Other versions actually might say a stumbling block falls because of a stumbling block. This is not necessarily a falling away spiritually eternally as much as if you take the image of what Jesus is saying, if there's a little tiny seedling that has no roots that's growing on a rock, when the sun comes, it scorches it because there's no moisture in the root system to maintain its life. A strong wind blows and literally it falls off. It falls away. It gets discarded. Literally and figuratively. Rocky ground is not conducive to a healthy harvest. Now, I've been to a lot of farms. In fact, one of our favorite pastimes is picking our own vegetables, fruit, that kind of thing. We've been to strawberry farms in North Carolina, orange groves in Florida, apple orchards in New York, upstate New York. Beautiful, beautiful. The weather is different for those different types of produce so is the soil hear me out though hear me out rocky ground is not good for any any healthy harvest the plants can't grow roots deep enough to survive long enough and that's the problem this is the shallow person's heart i would say this is the shallow believer's heart they love what they hear when they hear that god's going to bless you he's going to restore your your relationship he's going to this he's going to that and they hold on to that word and they receive it with joy but then something comes up on monday that just causes them to wither <laughs> Because they don't have any root. They've not cultivated the soil of their heart. 
and remove the rocks. So the word of God can't take root deep enough in their life. I wonder what the rocks could represent for you and I. Maybe it's trauma that you've, there's a hardened place in your life as a result. Maybe it's something that you've experienced, a betrayal of some sort, that a rock needs to be. Maybe it's a rock of unforgiveness that's there in your heart. In the rest of it is good soil. But if you try to have any, anything of God's word put where that rock is, you don't have hope that anything good will grow. That means there's a place that you are reserving for you and not for God. That means there's a place that you're not allowing the Holy Spirit entrance into. What that rocky place is for you, I don't know. But I would encourage you, uproot the rocks. I have tried to move some big rocks in my life, and they are heavy and hard. (laughs) Uh, Small pebbles, no problem. Bigger ones, I mean, you got to have leverage. You got to put some real work into removing if there's a lot of big rocks. So it's not impossible for God to help you restore your soil. That's that worthy of an amen. Amen. Verse 22 is this. It says, and for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I find it interesting that Jesus puts those two things together. He says, the cares of this world, as well as the deceitfulness of riches, either one of these things represents thorns. So if you try to sow seed in an uncultivated environment, you're going to have weeds. How many of you have ever tried a garden? Okay. We've tried, we've tried many, many times. Uh, we're now at the phase of getting succulents because they, re- they don't require much, okay? So just a drop of water every month and a little sunlight sometimes and they're good to go. So that's really, that's what our green thumb and our family represents, okay? But we've, we've tried a lot of other things and we've had a little spark of hope and then realized, oh no, they got too much water. Why are the leaves yellow? Oh no, the whole thing's dead. So don't trust us to grow anything good in our backyard, okay? But listen, if you try to grow something in a place that's not cultivated, that means not maintained, not taken care of, you're going to have weeds and you're going to have thorns. If you, if I said the term devil plant, do you know what I'm referring to here in Mississippi? That's what I call it. Okay. If you drive the trace, you will see these devil plants. They're about yay high, four, six feet high, and they look like the devil made them. Okay. That's not an insult to God. I'm just telling you, they're filled with thorns. There's millions of thorns all over them. There's nowhere to grab like into and uproot the thing. I mean, it takes some serious work. We've got a couple out here in the ditch and I stay away from them. Okay. They're really, really bad. Thorns are not fun. You ever got one stuck in you? It's not fun. It is not fun. I've gotten one stuck and then it broke as I tried to tweeze it and pull it out and then infected and then uh, uh, lots of problems. So listen to me. What Jesus says is there is some seed that falls on soil that is thorny or has lots of weeds. And what ends up happening is the good stuff gets choked out by the bad. 
Jesus says two things are bad. Caring more about the world than we do his word. And caring about riches, being deceived by riches. So weeds, if not handled prior to planting, during the cultivation process, and even after harvest can damage crops, literally choking the life out of these young plants. I know you've seen kudzu, right? Okay. It becomes its own thing. (laughs) It covers anything it sees, and then all you see is kudzu. It takes over and sometimes chokes the life out of those existing things, and then all it uses is the structure that's left behind. That's what thorns and weeds can do in our heart. Any farmer or gardener knows that weeding is an ever-present task. You've got to stay on top of it so that you make sure that you're healthy, that your crop is healthy. The cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. Here's how I look at this. When it says the cares of the world, I began to think about this. And I I thought of the believer who has deprioritized God and has prioritized the world. Maybe they're more worried about their possessions or their position in society. Uh, They care more about their status in people's eyes than they do their status in God's eyes. I don't want to step on too many toes today. They might be absent. But I think uh, it's a picture of the modern family that has a son on a travel baseball team. And that always comes before church. Grandparents, you have an opportunity to speak life and health into your families and to help them raise their kids in the right way. To not be at the place where, listen, I understand, and I'm not here trying to browbeat you for missing a Sunday for taking someone to the airport. We were joking about that at the door this morning, and she said her old pastor used to tell her she had to double her tithes on the Sundays she missed. So... I was thinking I could make that a new rule. That'd be great. Um, there's somebody, uh, we've got two people that are gone for an entire month in other places. That's going to be a good month when they come back. No, I'm kidding. But listen, it's the people who allow the priorities of the world to overwhelm them and they end up deprioritizing God. And as we've said many times here before, because God's word says it clearly, If you let God be in any other space but number one, he might as well not be on the list. That's how he feels. So we should understand this. And we should be careful or wary of it. It says the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, this would be somebody that is filled with pride or self-sufficiency. They've never had to pray a day in their life that the Lord would provide for them. They've been deceived by the riches. They don't understand Deuteronomy 8.18 that I shared when we talked about tithing and giving. They don't understand that it's God who gives them the ability for wealth. So they've lost sight of that and track of that, and they don't look at life like that, so they've been deceived by riches. Maybe that's not you. You say, Pastor, that's definitely not me. I'm not the wealthy one, and I don't have the deceitfulness of riches. I wish I did. No, listen. Listen to me. You don't wish you did, because if you did, it could choke the word of God out of your life. Think about Jesus' interaction with others. 
in his ministry. And the one who'd obeyed the law and done all the things. He said, what, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, go sell everything you have and follow me. It says the man walked away sad. The deceitfulness of riches can literally choke your spirituality. And then you have no fruit and no yield to what has been sown in your life. So we've got to be careful that we don't have thorns and weeds in the garden of our heart. Finally, we get to the good soil. Verse 23, it says this. For what was sown on good soil, Jesus says, This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So good soil is the soil that hears the word, understands it, and I would even say that if you understand it, that means you apply it. Correct? Right? So if you hear the word of God, you understand it, and you apply it to your life, this makes the difference. And here's how this happens. It comes from regular exposure and in-depth study. You say, well, pastor, I, I've been in this, I've been reading the book of Leviticus lately, and I'm having a hard time understanding it. Well, we're, we're all going to face places in scripture that are hard to understand. We've got to remember it was written to a people in a place that we don't live in, that we are not. And so we have to do a little bit of digging to find out really why it was said, what it was spoken about, speaking about, all those things. But that's why it requires more than a verse a day. That's why your pastor is encouraging you, because I want your soil to be good soil. It's interesting, Jesus doesn't say anything about there being a hybrid soil. He says there's three bad ones and there's one good one. If you have good soil for the word to take root in, the Bible gives us, Jesus himself gives us this promise, you will indeed bear fruit and yield in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. Again, let me make sure that you understand this is not about you tithing. This is not about an investment in the ministry of a church. This is about the word of God bearing fruit in your life. And good soil. You say, well, pastor, then what's the difference between the hundredfold, the 60 and 30? I mean, there seems to be a big gap there, right? Can I just tell you? It depends on the crop. It depends on how you apply the word of God in your life. Maybe you hear the word of God and you apply it just a small amount in your life. You'll see a small amount of increase because of it. But if you give it all you've got and you say, I'm going to do what the worship team saying about. I'm going to build my life on him and on his foundation. I'm going to prioritize God's word. I'm going to prioritize the things that he wants me to prioritize then I promise you, you're going to see great results in your life. So when we talk about God and his desire to be with you, to walk with you, he wants to do that on a daily basis. You will have an abundant harvest if you allow the word of God to be sown and take root inside of your heart. You know, at the end of all of our services we pray a simple prayer 
And we say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe your heart today is hardened towards God. Maybe, maybe your heart has been trodden down like that path and hardened over time. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke that directly to you and said, hey, I want to soften your heart. In fact, I love what God promises his people in the Old Testament and rephrases it in the New. And he says, when I come to you, I'll take your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. So even, even that person is not beyond God's help. Maybe your heart needs some attention today, though. And I'm not talking about attention from your spouse or your coworkers or somebody in your life. Maybe it needs your attention. Some maintenance where you say maybe there's some rocks or weeds or thorny places that need to be pulled out and uprooted. Maybe there's something that I can ask the Holy Spirit, help me to distinguish those problem areas in the garden of my heart so that I would receive the word in good soil. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you just whisper that prayer, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, I know what you're saying generally to us as a church, that we should have good soil. But God, I know individually you are speaking to each of us. Father, I pray that you would help us as we perform maintenance in our hearts, as we uproot weeds and rocks, as we seek to allow you to soften our soil, the soil of our hearts. God, would you do a work in us that only you can do. Lord, help us today, I pray.